This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 2nd of March. And of course we know the vaccine rollout is happening all across Australia and to give us a bit of an insight of how it's going in Melbourne we have a special guest today. We're welcoming back Professor Marion Kaner who's Head of Infectious Diseases at Western Health. Thanks for making time for us Marion. Good morning. So Marion, just give us a sense of what you've had to do and where, what you're covering and, uh, you know, and the challenge. At Western Health, we are responsible for the Tullamarine Airport, so border um, staff, including flight crew, as well as the hospitals in our catchment area. So that is the Parkville campus, as well as Western Health and some other hospitals as well. Can you talk about the time pressures that have been on you with uh, just mobilising for this vaccine rollout? Lots of people in our organisation have described as doing six months of work in three weeks. A lot of people put in a lot of effort to get this up and running, and I'm just so proud of what we have been able to achieve. Now, we've heard a lot about training. How different is dealing with this Pfizer vaccine from whooping cough or measles? Well, I think for Australia, one of the major things which is different is, one, this is an ultra-low temperature requirement, the cold chain requirements are different. And in addition, we have to use multi-dose vials. And in Australia, multi-dose vials have not been used much at all. And this is a very, very precious product. And so we want to make sure that we maximize the number of doses that we can get out of a multi-dose vial. So for the Pfizer vaccine, that is that we aim to take out six doses out of that multi-dose vial, which is a challenge because we currently do not have what are called low dead space needles or low dead space syringes. But our pharmacy staff are absolutely great and they are able to reliably get six doses out of a multi-dose vial. So a low dead space needle is a needle where there's not a, a bit of, there's, there's a minimum amount of vaccine that's left in it after it's been completely delivered. Is that correct? Correct. And so we want to make sure that everybody gets exactly the dose that they need. And if you don't have a low dead space, then you have vaccine that is left in there and the person does not get the full amount or you cannot get the full dose of the vaccine um, pulled out of the multi-dose vial. And also, you've also got to dilute it, haven't you? Correct. So this is a complex process. So our pharmacy staff, they spent one week specifically training for this to make sure that they abide by the cold chain requirements, which are significant, in addition to make sure that they use the proper aseptic technique so that they don't have any contamination of a vial that occurs. And then they practiced and practiced and practiced to make sure with dummy vials to make sure that they could get the appropriate number of doses out of that multi-dose vial. We had the situation in Queensland a week or so ago where there was a couple of people in aged care who were given the wrong dose, they were given larger doses by accident. Has that prompted you to put in additional checks and balances to make sure that that doesn't happen again? We already had significant checks and balances in place, so we would never expect that to happen. Um, for us, um, the way that we have structured this, within Western Health, we have only the pharmacists at the present time are responsible for 
diluting that vaccine and then also in drawing it up from a multi-dose vial into six syringes. And then we have a pharmacist who checks off. So the whole process from the time that the multi-dose vial comes out of the refrigerator, it's thawed, to the time that it is reconstituted with putting in this normal saline, this salty water that goes in and then drawing up those syringes and checking it off actually takes 40 minutes. That's four zero minutes. So it's done very carefully. In addition to ensuring that you get the exact quantity, it's also really important that the vial does not get too agitated. This vaccine can be unstable. You do not want to shake it. And so how you take out that vaccine out of a multi-dose vial, you don't want to flick it, the bubbles out, because that could be too unstable. So as you remove that vaccine from a multi-dose vial, any bubbles which get expelled, get expelled with a needle still in there, in that multi-dose vial to make sure no vaccine gets um, wasted. So the old thing of holding up the thing and squirting out vaccine to get the bubbles out, you, you just can't afford that. So, so there's really quite a significant gap between what doctors are used to with vaccines and what you've got to do with this one. Because, you know, you would swirl around the vaccine, you would flick the, you're used to flicking the, the syringe and then squirting out a bit of vaccine so that you've got it. I mean, none, none of that's got to go on. So it's very, very different. Correct. We, you know, this is liquid gold. This is an amazing vaccine. And we want to make sure we don't waste any of that. So what could have happened in Queensland? Why do you think, I mean, without, you know, just spe- I mean, without necessarily blaming anybody here, but presumably the, the, the errors could be in dilution or drawing up the needle. Um, those are the two main errors that could occur to give a misdose. You know, the only reports that I have heard are in the media and there's reports that this person did not undergo the training. And then it says very clearly on the actual, um, on the multi-dose vial, five or six um, doses. So people must not have read that properly. So we've got some questions, Marion, without notice. The question from Trudy asks, would it not make good sense for the Australian government to offer vaccinations to expats who are registered as wanting to come home? Surely that would minimise the need for hotel quarantine at the very least and so on. What do you, what's your answer to that with your experience now? I think on that, that seems like a really good idea. There are certain things which we do, however, need to consider carefully. Um, one is the actual logistics of this. And then also we do need to think about equity um, because people may be in a country where vaccine is not available and we do want to make sure that we can also repatriate those. So the principle of having people vaccinated, I think, before they come is a great one. We just want to make sure that we have equity and that we can deal with all those logistics. We've actually got a question from Anoop who's in Kenya who's saying that they're going to get the vaccine in a week's time and wondering whether they still have to go into quarantine when they they come back to Australia in two months' time if they've been vaccinated overseas. I believe that they likely will need to be um, in quarantine. We still have quite a lot to learn with regards to the efficacy of a vaccine in different subgroups and specifically with regards to some of these variants of concern where we may not get the protection, even protection may not be as high as we would like. And so this is a high stakes game. The way this virus enters Australia is via returned travellers 
And so we really want to minimize any chance for incursion. And so I believe until we have additional information, we want to be really, really sure that we protect the Australian community and so continue with hotel quarantine or other measures. And Marion Kenner is Professor and Head of Infectious Diseases at Western Health in Victoria. And we've got time just for one question, Tegan. Yes, a question for you, Norman, from Mark, who says, why does Dr Swan keep talking down the Astra vaccine when it is just as effective against serious illness and death as the Pfizer vaccine? Mark says that you're emphasising a minor issue rather than talking about this really important thing of protection. Yeah, well, I think, to my, in my defence, I think I, I have been. I, and Mark's right. The Astra vaccine is just as effective as the Pfizer vaccine at preventing serious illness and death. That's why we should all go out and get it. I will get it. And I've, every time I talk about this, I say, I will get the Astra vaccine. And I'll be happy to get it. But there's two issues here. One is border protection and the other is protecting us against catching COVID-19. And the evidence is that even with the South African variant, it's likely to protect against severe illness and death. But the problem is you've got people who are not covered by the vaccines. And you know, unless we get to very high levels, you've got an issue of fewer than 1% of the population have had COVID-19 in Australia. And we're probably going to get to 75, 80% coverage if we're lucky with our vaccine coverage. That leaves a lot of Australians vulnerable to COVID-19. And so you've got to protect our borders and stop these variants coming in. And Astra is almost certainly not the right vaccine to do that because it's 12 weeks apart to get a high efficacy, whereas Pfizer, you get the full, the full hit within three weeks. And also Pfizer on a laboratory evidence, admittedly, but on antibody evidence, is almost certainly more effective at resisting the South African variant. So Pfizer is almost certainly the best one to actually use in that case. But Astra and Pfizer could both be used outside hotel quarantine. And by the way, we should be immunising their families and household members as well with the Pfizer vaccine and very quickly protect both individuals and likely transmission, although that's yet to be proven. Cathy's actually querying you on one of those points as well, Norman. You said that the vaccine, the AstraZeneca vaccine, isn't effective for three months because the two doses are given 12 weeks apart. But she said that she thought the results that were published earlier this year said that the AstraZeneca vaccine was effective from about two weeks but dropped off after about 12 weeks. So the trials mostly covered two standard doses three or four weeks apart, and that got about 62% efficacy. What they found, not quite by accident, but almost by accident, is that when they gave the first dose in a trial which was looking to see whether, like the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, could the Astra vaccine be given in a single dose, they found it wasn't effective enough in a single dose. So they brought back those people in that trial for a second dose, and quite a few of them in that trial, not the full 17,000, but a subset of them, were at three months by the time they got back for the second dose, and they got up to 90% efficacy, an average of 82%. That's where the 12 weeks comes from. So it's it's not that um, it isn't effective for three months. There is an effect from the first vaccine, but it doesn't get you don't give you full coverage and immune memory till about at a high level till about 12 weeks. There's a lot of numbers there. I think the take home message for most Australians is that the AstraZeneca vaccine is going to protect them against severe disease. Yep. That's right. And so I'll be lining up for it. Well, that's all we've got time for today. But you can ask us a question or leave us a comment as always at abc.net.au slash coronacast. Or if you like, leave us a review on your podcast finder of choice. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. 